So this, so every Valentine's Day, Tim gets really excited because he gets to pick love songs. This is your love song? Songs that have love in the title. Well, I'll go with your Valentine's theme, too. It's just not... What? Oh, so you're from songs. the Bronx? Dude. Yeah, you know, hey. How you doing? Get, get in the trunk with the love, you know? Come Take on. Take it easy. Hey. Dr. John Izzo. He's the author of The Five Thieves of Happiness. And uh, happiness is our natural state for each of us and for humanity as a whole, argues John Izzo. I'm going to stop right there because I'm not sure that's that I'm, I'm jiggy with that. You're not jiving with that? With that? No. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's the website, Dr. John I-Z-Z-O, Dr. John is John, uh, it is Izzo, correct? Yes, Izzo, correct. Um, happiness is our natural state. Man, I want to push back on that because I'm not sure, I'm not sure I believe that. Help me believe it. Sell it. Yeah, it's great. It's a great question, right? And I do kind of begin my book, The Five Thieves of Happiness, with that uh, kind of a counterintuitive uh, premise. So, so let me make the case. Uh, uh, anybody who has children, uh, I always say, uh, notice the, how easily a child smiles back at the world. Uh, I've gotten to travel all over the world and, you know, and in some pretty tough places. And one of the things I've discovered is that uh, young children all over the world, if they're not abused or hungry, uh, you know, uh, are are naturally happy. And we all know this, you know, children five, six, seven, eight, you know, we have a kind of natural happiness. It takes oh, it doesn't really take that much to entertain us. And, and we naturally smile back at the world. And if we look at all of nature, we also see that almost all of nature kind of just is, you know, uh, it's one reason why. Um, uh, you know, uh, there's so much research about when human beings are around plants and trees, we're actually happier and less stressed because we sense that there's a way in which an awful lot of nature just kind of rests in this calm at the center. And 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 finally, all the spiritual traditions tell us this, you know, from Buddhism to, to Christianity, that there is kind of at the center of us a calm contentment. And our goal is to kind of clear the noise to find it rather than to uh, go out and, and get it. So there, that's, uh, that's my case. Okay, so in other words, if I don't think my natural, my natural nature is happy at this particular point in my life, then what you're saying is I'm broke. You know, one of the whole premises of uh, the five thieves of happiness is that uh, if happiness is our natural state, then the natural question comes in, then then why do we seem so uh, discontent so much of the time? Right. And it's really in my own spiritual journey. And I know you just got back from the Camino, it sounds like. And I walked the Camino a year and a half ago, which is really where this book first came to me. And I started thinking, well, if happiness is our natural state, then something must rob it from us. And I started thinking not only about my own life, but the research I've done on happiness for 25 years and all the spiritual traditions. And almost all the spiritual traditions talk about these kind of mindsets that we need to control. In Buddhism, they're called the hindrances. In Christianity, the seven deadly sins. In Sikhism, they actually have something called the thieves. And the idea is that it's not so much that we're broken, as that we allow these mindsets to dominate that actually rob us of our happiness. And I know we're going to talk a little about what they are, but that's the idea. We're not so much that we're broken, but that we let these mindsets, these filters, these thieves come in and take away what otherwise would naturally be ours. 
Okay, so what what do we talk about first? The thieves, or do we talk about you know the first few steps someone should try to take before they can walk into a new happiness? Yeah, well, let's talk, and, and you, you hinted at it, Drew. I also talk about in the book that the natural state of humanity is compassionate cooperator. And it's interesting, you know, we're kind of like the image that we often have of human beings is this kind of dog-eat-dog world. And, you know, if, if there weren't laws, we'd be going around killing each other all day long. But the reality is if you study, you know, biology, you know that humanity survived and thrived in the way we did precisely because other than ants, we were literally the most cooperative species in the history of, of, of Earth. We cooperate. Think of right now. You know, the way all across the world, airplanes fly across different countries, the Internet travels across the entire world. Think of how many things we take for granted every day that simply happen because human beings, for the most part, cooperate with each other in a pretty friendly way. And in fact, it turns out that for most 99 percent of our history before the agricultural revolution, that the anthropology suggests there was very little violence among hunting and gathering tribes against other human beings. Uh, and they had a pretty symbiotic relationship with nature. So I think I think this idea that 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 we are compassionate cooperators and our natural state is happiness. And then so let's talk about the thieves, because you said, what do we have to do to prepare? The first is to recognize if this is my our natural state, then we have to start to be aware of the thieves that might come in and take that away from us. And and one of the things about thieves is a thief can't rob you if they're if they're not in disguise. But of course, a good thief is disguised. And it turns out that we have to actually begin to see things we think are helping our happiness that are actually robbing it. So I think that's the first thing, Drew, is just an awareness that if happiness is my natural state, Maybe I have to be alert to the things that are coming in to rob it and, and then therefore enter the thieves. Wow, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, uh, before we get into the actual thieves, I, I, this is like the big buildup. When are you going to talk about the thieves? You want to hear about the thieves? <laughs> um, but uh, I want to talk about you because you can't write a book about happiness and not be the most happy human, irritating human being on the face of the planet. Like, tell me you're not happy first thing in the morning. You're not one of these people that pop out of bed and start singing Doris Day songs, are you? Darn it. I, I, I do. I do not sing Doris Day, I will tell you that. But okay, uh, my grandmother sarah, used to. Sarah. Yeah. Whatever will be, will be. But anyway, I, I know it, but I can't sing it. I don't want to sing it. But, but one of the things my grandmother always used to say to my mother, you know, uh, can't you shut him up in the morning? You know, because it is true that I, that I, I do wake up singing. That is true. Um, but, but I am, but having said that, you know, I think all writers write the books they write because that's a conversation you're having to have with yourself. Right. And so I'll be honest with you. Um, I took a 10 month sabbatical from my, my practice as a speaker and consultant, a self-imposed sabbatical. 10 months, no paid work, uh, traveled around the world. Because even after studying happiness for 25 years, I found that sustaining it day after day was elusive, even after having done that all those years. And so, no, actually, I think uh, this is a book for all of us who still struggle, even though we know all these things, yeah, yeah. to find happiness. Okay, let's talk about the thieves, because um, I, I think... That when I came back from the Camino, I was trying to put words on what I felt or how I felt, and it was new for me. And what I, the reason I was struggling putting words on it was because I actually felt happy, and I 
that's a new phenomena for me. I mean, I I have happy moments, but I I'm not. I was never a real big fan of going after happiness because happiness to me seemed like a fleeting, temporal, situational thing as opposed to peace, which uh, seems to have sort of this longer lasting, you know, durational thing. Um, and so it's it, oh, this happiness is happening inside of me. And I was like, first of all, I puked a little bit in the back of my throat just because <laughs> happiness is just, I don't know, it's too cheesy, right? It, Oh, I'm happy. It's, I don't know. I'll start right. You're lactose intolerant, right? So the there's cheese, that as well. Yeah. Yes, uh, but I'll also, you know, I'm going to start working for Hallmark and writing greeting cards and hang out with Candace Cameron more. And uh, I, I guess the reason I want to talk about the thieves is because I can feel it dissipating. I can feel it getting stolen away, John. And I need your help. Go for it. Yeah, it's good. And and, and just to point about what you just said there, uh, I actually chose the word happiness with some trepidation. And I say at the beginning of the book that the, the English word for happiness comes from the old English word hap, as in happenstance. And so the idea was, you know, if you had good happenings in your life, then you'd be happy. And I actually much prefer contentment, uh, inner peace, because happiness is, as you said, in the sense of, oh, I'm smiling and all good things are happening, uh, is kind of fleeting. But this inner calm, this sense of, of equanimity that a person could carry in whatever's happening to them, I think that's what we all really want. And we all know people who don't have a lot of good happenings in their lives, but are incredibly calm and content. And we all know people who have a lot of great happenings in their lives who are not. So let's talk about the thieves. Let's talk about the first thief. And we have a little online quiz people can take it at 5thievesbook.com if they want. Find out which is the thief robbing you. But one of the interesting things is about 50% of the people who've taken the quiz, their, their biggest thief is this first thief, and the thief is named Control. And this is the thief that wants to believe that we can control all the outcomes of our lives. And whenever we can't, we become unhappy. And I talk about in the book, Drew, that all, all unhappiness, if you really think about it, or all suffering, internal suffering, is actually resistance to whatever's happening at any moment. So if you think about it for a moment, almost all of our unhappiness in life, what we call unhappiness, comes from when we're resistant to whatever's happening at that very moment. And of course, we can control some outcomes in our lives, but when it's when we get attached to outcomes, when we get attached to being in control that we, uh, that we uh, get in trouble. And I found that on the Camino. I talked about it in the book in the first few days in the Camino. Maybe you can relate. I thought, I'm going to control this whole experience. You know, I'm going to know where I'm going to stop every day and where I'm going to stay. And oh, I'm walking with Drew and Joe. And boy, Joe and Drew are going to want to walk with me for 20 days. Uh, and I soon realized how many things were out of my control. And the more I surrendered to how many miles I walked that day, the more I surrendered to where I'd stay, the more I surrendered to who I would meet instead of getting wed to controlling it, every day I became happier. So I found the thief of control uh, was one of the first thieves, too, that I met on the community. All right. Uh, so just to recap, folks, the first thief being control. Are you listening, Tim? Tim, are you listening? First Sorry. thief is control. I was looking at the control board, yeah. so I was a little bit confused. All right. Second thief is conceit. Conceit. Listen, yeah, listen, conceit <laughs> is basically uh, kind of, uh, you know, believing that the world uh, revolves around you. It's really the feeling of separation. It's this, this kind of uh, uh, focus on our own little story. 
And, you know, I talk in, in, the, in the book, Drew, about uh, each of the thieves has a kind of oppositional energy. So the thief of control, the oppositional en- energy is surrender, not resignation, not having no outcomes or desires in my life, but surrendering to what is and focusing on what I can control. The second thief, the thief of conceit, the oppositional energy is service. And it's interesting, um, if you think about it, so many of us, so many of us, our unhappiness comes from this focus we have on our own little story. Huh. You know, am I happy today? What's going to happen to me? And yet the interesting thing is when you talk to people about the happiest moments in their lives, they almost always say it's when I was caught up in something. I was caught up in an activity that I wasn't thinking about myself or I was caught up in serving someone else and I wasn't thinking about myself. And, and this comes from really recognizing that uh, we're a part of a, a really large conversation of life that began long before we got here, that will go on long before we go. So even the fear of death is related to conceit because we're afraid our little entity is going to die instead of realizing that we're actually part of a much larger landscape. John, wouldn't the fear of death relate more to control? I think it's both, you know. Um, so it's the fear of control, but also the fear that we'll disappear, right? So, so oh, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, so fear, oh, I, I'm, I'm so unimportant, I'm literally going to disappear. You you relate to this, um, uh, uh, Drew. You know that highest point on the Camino uh, where that crucifix is, the cruciferous, and there's all the rocks that you leave from home? Yep, yep. Uh, and, and for those who haven't been there, the idea is you leave a rock from home and, you know, something that you want to leave behind and not take with you in your life. And when you get there, there's thousands of rocks, you know, that have been there, you know, left over 1,200 years, you know, from most of the people are dead and long gone, you know, from this life. And it occurred to me when I got there, there are one or two reactions when you get to that place. One is, look how insignificant my rock is. And you remember, Drew, there were some people who put a really big rock or put a big note on their rock, hoping their rock would be remembered, and now it was faded or blown away. And the interesting thing is, on the other hand, I thought, how beautiful to know that I'm a part of a journey that began long before I got here and long before I have to leave. And if I can just surrender to that bigger conversation, say, look, the purpose of my life is to serve life. Uh, and it's interesting. One thing the rest of nature knows that we don't. A friend of mine is a, a, wrote a book called Biomimicry. She's a well-known biologist. And she, she says the purpose of all life, if you look at nature, how it acts, not it's thinking this, how it acts. The purpose of all life is to extend and improve the experiment of life. So in other words, the trees, the bears, the way they act day to day is their real purpose is to survive, but also to make sure the next generation is better than they were. And I think that's kind of where this conceit comes in. The more we focus on our own little story and in the Camino, I I found the more I got wrapped up thinking about my happiness, the less happy I was, (laughs) the more I just served others on the Camino and just was in the moment floating in that great oneness, the happier I was. So that's where conceit, it's not just about like being conceited, it's about this sense of isolation we have from from the story of life. I am loving this, man. I am so glad. So first of all, our mutual friend, uh, Lydia, who was on our show last week, Lydia Smith, she is the one that recommended you come on my show, and I am indebted to her. This is gold. Dr. John Izzo, we were just talking about The Thieves of Happiness, and that's the name of his book, of course, The Five Thieves of Happiness. It's in my grubby little hands right here. And we're about to move on to the one that I like the most, coveting. John, um, blow apart the thievery of coveting, if you may. 
Yeah, so first of all, what is coveting? Coveting is to uh, look at what someone else has with envy. Uh, and so, you know, it's not just kind of desire. Coveting is like this sense of envy. And also, at a deeper level, coveting is about living your life as if it were a contest. It's this thief who really wants you to reference your happiness by how you compare with others. And, you know, in each of the chapters on the thieves, as you know, Drew, I have kind of a mascot for each of the thieves. And, and the mascot for this thief is the wicked queen in Snow White. Because if you remember, every morning she would get up and look at the mirror, you know, mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all. And the interesting thing is that it didn't matter how fair she was. The only thing that made her happy was knowing she was fairer than everyone else. And the one day the mirror finally said, well, you know, you're pretty damn fair, but there's somebody a little fairer than you yeah. called Snow White. It literally ruined all of her happiness. Now, before people go, wait, no way that's true for me. Think about those of you who are on Facebook. How do you feel when your friends get more likes than you do? What do you do when you see they have more friends than you do? I delete them. When, yeah, exactly. That's a good <laughs> idea. Exactly. And, and it's interesting that there is research that shows, and I talk about it in the book, that when people get off of social media, they often wind up reporting that they're happier. But the interesting thing is it turns out that that's only true for people who are mostly observers on social media. So when you're there observing the A-rolls of other people's lives while you live the B-roll of your life um, and compare yourself, you wind up being miserable. But people who are on Facebook and other social media and who are liking and celebrating the success of others, even if they envy it, who are getting involved in things, turns out social media makes them happier. So coveting is really this thing about life being a contest. And you know this thief is in the house when you go into work in the morning and somebody says, boy, it's to somebody else, boy, you look good. And you think, boy, they didn't say it to me. You know, whatever it is, this is this thief that kind of makes you think life is a contest. Um, one of our interns who normally doesn't pay attention during the shows just said to me, this is good stuff. So let me just tell you, if you just broke through to a millennial who doesn't pay attention to anything happening on this show, John, you're, you're doing something right, man. Well, thank you. I feel good. And thank him or her for me and say, keep listening. Hopefully it'll, it'll keep happening. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, listen, that was the hook for you guys to go out and get the book and find out about the rest of the thieves. Uh, if you weren't impressed enough with what John was saying, then, I don't know, you're dead. Uh, consumption, uh, comfort. <laughs> Uh, those are, you know, the other ones. Um, and, and, of course, he talks about how to kick the thieves out of your house. And then just imagine a world without the five thieves. I think that's kind of where I, my head needs to be at. I really need to keep hunkering down into the, into the, uh, the imagining the world I want it to be. Not that my imagining the, the world will change the world, but it keeps my head in the right pocket. I'm not 100% convinced that if I think about uh, something, it'll happen. I think it just gets your head in the best spot possible for it to happen. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, one of the things you referenced, Drew, that's so important is in the book, I talk about a very simple, practical three-step model to really stop these thieves and get them out of your life on a consistent basis. And the other thing, this idea of imagining the world without the thieves, I talk in the book about how these same five thieves, control, conceit, consumption, you know, uh, comfort, etc., that these same five thieves are what robs humanity of our greatest potential. Uh, 
So we do have to imagine a world without these thieves, because in many ways, almost all the problems we have in the world are also related to these same five thieves. And I talk about that in the book and give people a sense of how we can even build a better community, not only kick them out of our own house. Well, now you know why this guy uh, has been hired by IBM, Qantas, the Mayo Clinic, Verizon, RBC, TELUS, WestJet, DuPont, and so many others, including Microsoft and McDonald's. Uh, and also now he's a, he's an official consultant for the Drew Marshall Show now. You see what really? I just did there? I Nicely just done, Drew. Put, put my name into that category. John, that was actually quite delightful. Thank you. I'm very happy. Thank you. I hope to talk again yeah. soon. Thank you. I look forward to it. Bye. Bye now. Bye, John. Dr. John Izzo. Are you doing more love songs? Of course I am. Turn it up. I like this one. See you.